coming up in this episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. They still have that innocence. They still mm. understand that this is toxic, that it's unhealthy. They don't want to be looking at 45-year-old women having sex on the internet. That does things to their self-esteem, their their concepts of love, and they can feel that. They can feel that need, and so they just cry to me. Are you new to fatherhood? Not sure if you're dating to your full potential? Well, you've come to the right place. Most dads aren't talking to each other about their lives as dads. Like it's some kind of secret. Well, this is the podcast that takes the secret out of fatherhood. This is Not So Secret Dad's Business. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business, guys. Thanks for being patient. I've been away for a couple of weeks. You know, I took a week off to celebrate my son's birthday with him. And last week I was just having a bunch of technical difficulties and I wasn't able to get anything up. So this week I'm reposting an Encore episode. Now, uh, this episode is possibly, in fact not possibly, it is. It became very quickly my most controversial episode that I, I released back in Season 1. And it's also the most listened to episode on this podcast. So this episode with Heather Nielsen is an interesting one and I'm sure it's going to ruffle some feathers all over again. So this episode, a talk with Heather about porn addiction and the effect that it has within the family. Throughout our conversation, we also talk about how accessible porn is to our underage children and the effects it has on them especially. Now, when I recorded this episode, Heather was only just setting up her project, which is Fight the Beast. And it's a program to help men get past porn addiction and get a grip, excuse the pun, on their toxic masturbation habits. So I'm not saying that this one is for everyone, but I do think it's a good one for everybody to have a listen to because I know a lot of men, especially myself, tend to have problems with porn. So uh, this one could be enlightening for you. In any case, I've re-edited this episode, so it sounds a lot more like my later releases, but if you do want to go back and listen to what the episode was originally, you can go back to Season 1 in the backlog, and you'll, you'll hear everything as it was back then. Anyway... Enough of that. Let's get on with this week's Encore episode with Heather Nielsen. How are you today, Heather? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. I've been uh, I've been looking for somebody like you to to speak to on the show because I think this is is something that really concerns a lot of parents nowadays. You know, it's it's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. I I love talking about it. And what scares me even more though is that not enough parents are concerned. And with my work, I see more parents um, that aren't concerned that should be. Mm-hmm. And so we'll definitely talk about why that why that is and what the concerns are. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking then, what sort of kicked you off down this road of, say, setting up your new brand called Fight the Beast and and everything like that? What brought you down this road to to start being an activist and and all that? 
Yeah. So I was raised in a home that had really great values. I am kind of the last of the generation that didn't really have phones until we were in our teenage years. And so I, I just didn't grow up with the stuff that kids are dealing with today. And so I was very naive and I went and got married at 18 and within a few, like in the, that was my first marriage. And, um, he had a very heavy porn addiction. He had a lot of trauma in his past. Well, fast forward, it got abusive ended in divorce. I get remarried, same thing. And I was like, huh? Okay. It blindsided me. I had, I had no idea. I personally didn't have exposure to that as a youth. And so I was just like, it just blew my mind. And so a lot of trauma and a lot of pain. Well, when I got out of that second marriage, um, which failed for a number of reasons, but I started to look around and I was like, hold on a second, two marriages and three kids and all of this heartbreak and pain because of pornography. And I started to look at this and then I started noticing more and my parents got divorced and I believe that was involved. And then I started seeing my brothers struggling with addiction and then delinquent issues. And then I, I started uh, seeing friends going through the same thing. My friends' marriages, people at church. And I just looked around and I was like, whoa, this is a problem. And look how many lives this is affecting. So very personally to me, it just made me realize, okay, someone's got to do something about this. So I started reaching out to friends and I started like checking on my male friends and I just casually text them like, so how's your porn addiction going? And they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, of course I know. Like it's everywhere. It's 97% Mm -hmm. of males. So I'm like, okay, you have a problem. Just talk to me about it. And so we'd start to talk and I was able to help some friends really recover. They'd get one, two, three months away from it. And they were like, wow, I needed, I needed this. I needed support. I've never told anyone about it before. Um, and I started hearing that from a lot of friends and I was like, all right, more people need this. We, I just, I'm a activist at heart. I'm a fighter at heart. And so I just one day literally woke up at six o'clock in the morning and just said, I'm, I'm going to start promoting this issue. So. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny actually that you mentioned the church as well because when I was when I was younger, I was uh, quite involved with the church, and porn was a, a, a subject that was brought up within the youth group and the young young men's groups and that sort of thing all the time. And then you you looked at like the men's support groups like, uh, within the church, like celebrate recovery and and that sort of thing. And not only were they tackling, you know, alcoholism and drug use and all that, but a, a big one, again, was porn addiction. And these were men in the church. So it's it's really, really surprising how it really has no, no real demographic. Like these guys, all these guys are having issues with it. Yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I read a statistic today when I was doing some research prepping for this podcast um, that one in seven youth pastors have basically a serious porn addiction. Um, And then it's one in 10. So, I mean, the statistics are just, that blew my mind. And I was actually surprised it's one in seven. Um, But among the young men themselves, it is a little bit higher. Yeah, definitely. And I I can understand today with, you know, the way technology has advanced. I mean, it's it's right in the palm of our hand, literally. I mean, I remember when I was a when I was a a teenager, you know, 
you were having to sort of sneak into the news agents and you know smuggle out a playboy or a hustler or, or something like that whereas now it's it's purely just a click away and and some of the stuff that you can find is absolutely mind-blowing you know yeah. you would not find it on the shelf of a news agent yeah absolutely so i just have to preface kind of this whole thing um and give you a little bit more perspective on kind of my attitude like yes we are going to talk about this we're going to talk about who has the addiction why it's wrong um and a lot of people on the internet who come across my channels can perceive that as me criticizing the person. And I don't take that attitude. My attitude is more of, hey, look, I know you got exposed. It's a very addictive substance. You probably didn't get exposed by choice, or maybe you did, but you were either too young to understand what you were doing, or it's just everywhere in our faces constantly. And it's a constant battle for a lot of people. And so we're not necessarily criticizing or condemning the struggle or the person who's struggling, you know, I'm sure again, like 97% of people struggle with this. That could be 97% of the people listening to this. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I understand that the struggle is real and what my coaching does, what my, what the new organization does, which is more of a, a movement type organization. Our focus is conquering it for yourself, conquering it together. We're going to talk about this. We're going to work on it together. And then with the new brand, it's talking about turning around and then helping our youth, changing our workplaces, expecting more of our school systems, expecting more of our churches. And so instead of just kind of this quiet personal struggle, we need to open this up and say, hey, this is crushing our society and we need to fight it for ourselves and then help reform mm -hmm. together. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great, a great mission that you've got there. Because I mean, I was shocked when we were talking a few weeks back to 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 line up this episode together. Uh, you'd mentioned that you, I mean, you've got young children, and you, you'd mentioned that they've already been exposed to it themselves. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I I deal with that with my with my brothers, with my cousins um, who are. So actually, let me give you the statistic on this. Um, so of all of the pornography consumed by minors, 22% of it is consumed by children the, under the age of 10. So that includes teenage boys. That includes teenagers sex, sexting. A quarter of all of it is watched by literally children. It says, one statistic says that 51% of males and 32% of females viewed porn before the age of 13. Man, that's 51% of men of boys have been exposed before 13 and nearly 27% of teens uh, receive sex. So photos um, via texting and whatever. And one out of seven kids have received solicitation for porn. And so my thing is when I talk to parents in recovery, I say, well, what about your kids? What are you doing for your kids? Because here you are with 20, 30 years of addiction. What are you doing for your kids? And they go, uh, well, I don't think my kids have a problem. They do. They absolutely do. Mm -hmm. How are these kids being confronted with it so early? Because, again, I understand that it's so easy to access when you've got free, free websites like Pornhub and all that sort of thing. Obviously, it's easy enough for them to find. It's a simple Google search. But, I mean, most of this is this coming through, you know, like th through their peers or is it being exposed to them in the home or, or, or what? Yeah. So one in five teenagers have received a sex, sexual solicitation via the web. 
And so this is typically social media. It's things like TikTok. I mean, as adults, we go through TikTok and we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, you don't realize your kids have access to the same content mm-hmm. as you. And that is the content that you're seeing on TikTok. So are the kids. And so you've got on there people reviewing dildos. You've got people, you've got these major celebrities who have OnlyFans, who are marketing their OnlyFans and their Instagrams, which Instagram is extremely graphic now. And there's there's like no holding back at this point mm-hmm. what you can on Instagram. And so everything that you have access to, everything that you see, so can a kid. And when you, we have these celebrities that kids follow because they hear about them, they see them on a Disney show, and then they go follow their social media account and it's explicit. Like that's just what happens. That's how this exposure comes. And with things like TikTok, it's randomly showing up with things like Instagram, you know, introduction of these reels, which means you can see random content that you didn't ask for. And it's just popping up. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. And for a young boy, especially, um, you know, it it does something to the chemicals. They see an attractive woman and it's like, whoa, what's that? And so then they, they click links and they follow. And not only that, but it's their friends, right? They go to a sleepover and their friends like, hey, look what my older brother showed me. Ha ha. But the addiction is like that. I'd agree with you there. Definitely. And again, I, I I feel like I'm I'm kind of ignorant here because porn has always been a part of life. It's always been there. But again, like I said, I come from a generation where you know it was it was wasn't as as available, you know. And when it came to like being exposed to my friend with my friends, it would be them finding a VHS tape, you know, and oh look what I found in my my parents' wardrobe or whatever. And so I guess it wasn't so much of a problem when I was younger because it wasn't readily accessible like like it is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still slow on the TikTok and all that. I haven't joined TikTok, so I I, I can't speak myself uh-huh. from there. But definitely Instagram. I, I I see where you're coming from because there are so many girls in in bikinis and lingerie and and trying to I get I, I can see from one point that you know these women are trying to foster body positivity and 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 that sort of thing but like you said when it's a teenage boy they're not seeing that they're seeing a half naked woman and they yeah everything starts firing in their brain and they they're wiring their brain to see women as sexual objects right yeah, it's very real. Um, and one thing on the body positivity, you know, let's talk about our girls for a second, because when we talk about porn, it's really easy to focus on on the young men, but the girls are having just as much of a problem with it. And so when it comes to this idea of body positivity, again, this is something that we have to fight as a part of a concerted movement, because it's not body positivity. It's wrecking our young girls' self-esteem. It's making these girls think, that unless they can post a photo that gets as many likes as these sexual images that they are worthless. Mm-hmm. That is how that I, I am a female. Now I have overcome that insecurity, but I can tell you even three, four years ago in my twenties, I had major issues with that. It was still very emotionally damaging to me and it takes a lot to work through it. So as parents, you know, it's work with all of your children on not just the addiction, but also the insecurity and self-esteem issues that are coming from being constantly exposed to such graphic and sexual content, because our kids don't have the luxury of being kids anymore, unless we protect them and help them work through this. So do you think, I mean, there's a, a, as a parent, there's a risk of then also becoming like a helicopter parent and, and becoming too overbearing, trying to 
sort of keep an eye on everything that they're looking at and uh, and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's really hard to say. I'll, I will tell you first my approach and then maybe suggest some alternatives. My mm-hmm. approach is my kids right now absolutely do not have access to YouTube. They do not have access to Instagram and they do not have access to TikTok or any other social media app. Why? Because the risk is too high. Now, I understand that becomes more difficult as kids are in their teenage years and they need a little bit more of that independence and the opportunity to kind of have the experiences, learn to battle them. And, you know, I will be fighting those battles soon enough. But at the moment, I would say that parents need to be extremely aware of their kids. Why? Because this is our job as parents. Our job as parents is to nurture and develop and grow an incredible human being. I don't think that can be taken seriously enough. And addiction is an extremely serious thing. These addictions can destroy children's lives. It's very strongly linked to the suicide rate for teens, which is now, I think it's in the top three, if not the number one killer of youth now. Like suicide is very, very high. And so to me, it's a a no brainer. It's like, if you love your child, you are going to protect them at all costs. With When it comes to my children, I don't care if they want to pout that they can't go on YouTube. I wouldn't let my children go to a strip club either. And that's what, and that's what it's looking like. Yeah, I, and, and definitely YouTube's a, a pretty pretty interesting one as well, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole. But then you've also got music artists, you know, like Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and and all of that who are, like, their, their, their music videos are promoted in the algorithm. So they're, they're always going to come up in the top of the search, that sort of thing. And so again, that's you've got that sort of oversexualization of women there as well for kids just to stumble across. So I have a nine-year-old cousin, and she comes over to the house. She's pretty addicted to her phone because her parents don't have that same value system that we have. And so when she comes over, you know, I know she's going to be on her phone. And I can I can only fight with kids that are mine so much. And so I'll hear her sitting on the couch going through TikTok, and one of the top trending songs on TikTok is. The lyrics go, I'll put my dick in your mouth. Okay. This is like the main part of the song that everyone sings. It is one of the top trending songs. You do it. People, you know, they'll be making a cake to this song. Right. So it's just casual. And I'm just sitting here looking at this nine-year-old listen to this song. And then she flips to the next song and it's just as explicit. Right. Like, you know, it's like the WAP and stuff like that. And, and I've heard her mom, I've actually heard her mom say, oh, TikTok, it's so gross. I could never be on there. And then I look at her child and I'm like, so you let your child? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's insane. That's a, it's it's but, like saying, I don't like R-rated movies, but here's money. Go go see the latest. Go see the latest at the cinema. Have fun. But this is one of the top apps for children. That's how it started. It was an, a, a children's app. But yeah. again, I think with with apps like that, it it happens so so quickly. Like it gets misappropriated. I mean, even mm-hmm. kids' games like um, Roblox, um, stuff like that, Minecraft, uh, Club Penguin. That was an online online game back in the day. And of course, you've got all these these online predators who are there using it for explicit games to try and you know groom these children or whether it be to to exploit the children themselves or whether it is just putting up this sort of content that children are seeing. 
Another thing that parents should be aware of, you know, that that I'll, I'll share sometimes with parents who don't believe how toxic the internet is. They're like, oh, well, my kids really like, they really like Roblox. It's a lot of fun for them. And I'll go to YouTube and I'll pull up Roblox, Roblox sex scenes. It exists. You can watch graphic Roblox sex scenes. And I'm like, your kids who are on YouTube watching Robo- Roblox player live streaming, whatever, they have access to this. They're being shoved this. And so it's just, it's warping their minds so much. Mm-hmm. Do you think because all of this is so prevalent as well, because it's being so normalized and just becoming so casual, like you said before, um, that parents are starting to think less and less about the consequences of all this in the end of it? Um, I don't really hear anyone talking about the consequences, unfortunately. I can't say that I've had any conversations recently with parents who are understanding the consequences. And I think part of the reason of that is that so many parents are struggling with it themselves. So sexual addictions in general has just become so normalized that I hear a lot of people saying, you know, well, I was there as a kid, like they'll get through it or they'll work through it. And which just blows my mind because it's like, how, why would you wish that much pain? Like, if you look at how much pain it's caused in your life, why would you wish that on your innocent child and their future? And so one of the things that I think is so interesting or that I'm really passionate, a message I'm passionate about sharing is that it's so much easier for a teen to recover from this and to develop the skill to never do it again than a 45 year old who's been addicted for 35 years. And so these teenagers, when I work with teenage boys, cause I, ha- I have a number of them and I do it more as a volunteer thing. Cause I, I, I can't charge the teenagers or anything. Um, but when I work with them, they're so eager for help. These boys cry to me because they're like, no one will listen to me. And one of them even said, I've tried telling my parents about it and they won't help me. Why won't the parents help? Well, because the parents are okay with it. It's normalized in their life. They think that because they're an adult, it's normal for them, but these teenagers, they still have that innocence. They still Mm. understand that this is toxic, that it's unhealthy. They don't want to be looking at 45 year old women having sex on the internet that does things to their self-esteem, their, their concepts of love. And they can feel that they can feel that need. And so they just cry to me and it's, it's all addiction as well. It's not just porn and masturbation. We can talk about the broader addictions as well. It's the alcohol, it's the vaping, it's the drugs. And I, I literally have answered the phone at one o'clock in the morning to these teenage boys just crying. Like, I, I, I need help. I want to stop. I don't want to be this person anymore. And I just want to go to their parents' house and I don't <laughs> start a fight because I can't handle it. Well, one thing I, I noticed today as well, looking at, uh, at your, your channel, you, you discussed uh, one aspect was the difference between guilt and shame. So are these are these boys like so torn up because they're feeling ashamed of themselves rather than taking that positive guilt on or, or what is the catalyst there? I think it's more of a helplessness in the addiction. It's also a lack of connection. Like they want someone to love them and care about this thing that they're going through. Like they're fighting something very hard to fight and they feel alone in that fight. And so the biggest need that a, a, a teen that has an addiction problem needs is a parent who loves them and says, hey, we're going to fight these urges together. If you're struggling with an urge, you come to me. We'll hang out. We'll go get an ice cream. 
And I just, I can't imagine what the world would be like if we, if we could all help our teenagers or our youth that way and just have that open conversation. And that's what I encourage parents to do is just say, just love your kids, go up to them and be like, Hey, you know, if you're watching this stuff or not even say if just be like, when you see porn, when you're watching, I want, I want you to come to me first. I want us to hang out. I want us to have a bonding experience because this is what it's done to my life. This is how it's hurt me. And I want to help us grow, um, together. And, and, uh, it's just, it's so sad. Like, especially even with alcohol addiction, like the withdrawals from alcohol and vaping and drug addictions. I mean, this one teenage boy that I've been working with a lot, I mean, literally for more than a week as he was quitting alcohol and his parents wouldn't help him. So he came to some random girl on the internet for help and he would literally be shaking for hours at night with withdrawals, like literally just shaking and crying on his bed for hours, texting me like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And what his parents are in the other room. That's that's really, really sad. Well, while we're on this this topic then, because obviously like being a dad's podcast, I'm trying to, to help dads sort of understand the impact of all this as well. Now, when it comes to porn addiction, I don't think mums are going to be quite as inclined to jump in there and sort of uh, to guide these boys. One, because for a boy, it can be really uncomfortable having to talk to your mother about sex and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So as, as fathers, how can we sort of, in your opinion, how can we sort of start guiding our sons down the right path and, and opening up these channels to have these conversations? Well, first and foremost is be working on it for yourself. You know, it, maybe, maybe you're in a good place and that's fantastic. If you're in a good place, don't assume that your child is. The next thing is be working on it for yourself so that you have a place to come from so that, that you are, are teaching the right message. The next one is I've seen parents in my own family really fail their kids by getting mad at them by yelling and screaming at them when they found porn. Maybe it's because they had a problem with their own life. So they project that anger. Mm -hmm. They're like, don't do that. And they try to scare them out of it. My approach would be to, and, and by far the best approach would be to go to your kids and be like, Hey, this is a struggle. I know that this is a struggle. Here's my experiences with it. I don't want this to be in our family because I know the damage it can do to you. I love you. I want to work on this together because pornography actually really hurts the parent child bond whether it's the parent watching or the child watching, you know, the slogan is porn kills love. It really does kill that bond. And so it's so important for parents to rebuild that and say, Hey, I'm human. You're human. We can't have this in our family. It's going, it's going to really screw us up. You know, porn is involved in 70% of divorces, Mm -hmm. 70% of divorces. And so this is, this is why parents are splitting up from their kids. So, you know, even if you're divorced, go and say, Hey, look, this was a problem. I don't want you to suffer these same things. Um, Another one is, so after a very loving approach, a very loving, compassionate, very open and honest approach, that's what I do with my clients. Hey, I'm, I'm struggling today with this issue. How are you doing? Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. The next one is to have, I would definitely recommend an open devices policy, a device that you can see at all times, no passwords, Maybe it's a family, teens have a family phone that you can go through the text anytime or that the texts deliver to another phone. Is that wrong? No. You know, if you think about it, if your kids are hanging out 
and they're hanging out in the living room, not a bedroom, you're going to hear all their conversations. So I don't mm. think it's realistic to say, Hey, I need to be aware. I need to have access to this and to come at it from not a control perspective, but a, Hey, I really want to help protect you from the bullying, from the bad messages. Another thing is don't be afraid of starting too young. Mm -hmm. So obviously I talk about sex and porn all day long and I do it in my living room and my four and five and seven-year-old are in the room and partially out of necessity because it's my job, but also because I want them to grow up knowing what that is. Mm -hmm. I want my seven-year-old because he is at the average age of first porn exposure. I need him to be fully aware. Hey man, when your friend brings this to you, you help your friend. You tell your friend that that is the most dangerous thing he can ever touch in his life and you help him. And, and so as a, as a single mom, I am the mom having this conversation. So with, with devices and everything like that, uh, this is something I'm learning as a new parent. My son is five. We've only mm -hmm. just bought him his first tablet. You know, we've, we've tried to keep him away from his own device mm -hmm. for as long as we could, you know, for, and for a while there, he would be watching YouTube on the, the, the TV in the lounge room. We were there. We could see what, was, what he was watching. Anything we didn't think was appropriate got turned off. And now, so we're, we're sort of working through the, you know, parental controls and what, what is too much, what's not enough. And for people in our age group, you know, we're digital immigrants. You know, we've gone from paper and, and, and everything like that, libraries and, and shit like that. And I know I'm sounding really old here, but now we're coming into, you know, the internet and devices and it's not just not just tablets or phones, it's smart watches, it's, you know, your smart speakers at home, smart TVs, everything is automatically connected to the internet. So that's something I'm, I'm sort of working out. When it comes to parental controls, I mean, obviously, like you've just mentioned, having an open device policy is a good idea. But what other, what other aspects or, or other things can we do to sort of monitor what our children are viewing? Yeah, well, I would say with kids, um, so there's a kid's YouTube app that's largely safer. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to teach your kids the values that you want them to have, but they're not going to see pornography on kids' YouTube. So that that's good. Um, on the kids' YouTube, though, you can actually choose which videos they have access to. So once a week, you can go through their favorite, you know, people they want to follow, select all the videos that you're cool with, let them watch that. Um, I currently don't feel like fooling with that. It's not to tell everyone what they should or shouldn't do with their life, what's best for them. But, you know, kids really don't need to be on devices. Their brains will grow better. They will develop better. They will be smarter. They will be healthier if they don't. And I'm grateful that I had a child until I was, what, 13, pretty much off of devices. There was a TV, but it was the kind of TV where if you didn't like the next show, you left, you yeah. know, you, you couldn't just sit and binge watch whatever you want to watch whenever you want to watch. And so there, there's so many reasons to keep our kids off. Okay. So another aspect that I'll bring into this here then is the fact that these children are finding porn so early, uh, how much of a higher risk are they at having their perception of, you know, sex in a relationship being skewed. Obviously when you're watching stuff online, there are acts that, you know, your partner is not going to do in the bedroom. It's not normal, healthy, intimate behavior. 
I mean, we're talking about kids. They don't need to know anything about sex. They, we need them to be kids. We need them to believe in friendships, not intimate relationships. You know, that's something that, you know, ideally would be more of like the late teenage years. You start being like, hey, this is a thing when you're older. Not now, (laughs) but when you're older. And so we're just in a very different society. But that being said, one of the risks as far as how it changes um, their view of sex and what it is, um, it almost destroys it. It's a physical thing. It's a it's a control thing, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of control based porn. There's a lot of it's about validation. Sex isn't supposed to be about validation. It's supposed to be about love and connection. And so they see it as this like this thing that makes you cool. Or you know, I hear there's a lot of talk about you know a lot of teenage boys are under the impression that you're only cool if you sleep with a million girls, right? And so it's extremely damaging. The other major issue here is that pornography is the root of the problem when it comes to children and gender issues, gender crisis, gender, you know, uh, what's it called? Gender identity. Yeah. Just gender identity issues, right? The depression, the confusion, the flip-flopping. And that's what it is because pornography to a child is sexual trauma. If you are seven years old and you watch someone get raped on the internet, yeah, that's a very traumatic experience that can affect you the rest of your life. Definitely. And I mean, I guess as parents, if we were to show that material to our children, you know, under the age of 18, you know, we'd be committing a, a sex crime. You'd be um, you'd be charged. You'd go through the judicial system. You'd be put, be made a registered sex offender. The whole shebang. How are these conglomerates on the internet not being held accountable for for kids seeing this stuff? I mean, obviously, the purpose is there for adults to access it, but that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually really passionate about this topic because it brings in this these legal issues regarding what pornography is and what should have access to it. And so I get really harassed for this opinion, but I think that, you know, these women and men who are what in their twenties, 30, 40s, 30s, forties, who are posting their pornography in a publicly accessible place. I think they should be charged as a sex offender. If you post something on Instagram that's like too far, say in a sheer dress where, yeah, you can see everything, which I have seen, everyone's seen it. Instead of just getting flagged and removed, I think that that person should be reported as a sex offender because if my child sees you in your window nude, in your in your house with your window open and my child sees you nude, you do go to jail or court or are seriously fined for um, sexual indecency, right? If this is in public. Um, and so it's not just the, it's not just the organizations, it's the people. And I think it's extremely disturbing. It is. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I mean, these companies, I, I guess they really don't give two shits because I mean, they're not just exploiting the viewer with their mental health and their view on what a healthy sexual relationship should be, but they're also exploiting 
the performers as well that are, are signing up to these companies. Just for example, there's a, a former actress, Mia Khalifa, you know, and she did multiple scenes, you know, and got maybe $12,000 or something out of it by the end of it. But through that process of just trying to, to chase a couple of extra dollars because she might have been in a tough spot, she went and completely destroyed her self-esteem. Well, I'm not saying she did, but through the mm-hmm. exploitation, destroyed her self-esteem destroyed her reputation and because they were exploiting her so much as well they were pressuring her to do scenes in a hijab which coming from Lebanon as well ended up bringing a lot of death threats onto her as well because you know disgracing her religion and and all Mm -hmm. that sort of thing so how these companies can't be you know pulled up for that is beyond me and I think it, it just mainly with the performers, it comes down to the fact that, oh, well, they're over 18, they're able to consent, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So, yeah, I don't know how that doesn't happen, how they can't be made held liable for this because it's a toxic industry. And to some extent it is, it is consensual. People remind me that all the time. My, My biggest opponent in this industry is strippers and female porn stars who absolutely hate what I'm doing because I am attacking their business. Right. So actually addiction recovery girl on TikTok. Um, I am officially closing that account as of today. I will leave it there. But if you actually want to follow me, you have to follow fight the beast either on my website or on Instagram, TikTok, whatever channels, um, because of the harassment that I received, they have successfully gotten my account removed and banned because of, um, of my opinions, because they're, you know, basically saying that I'm destroying their business and it's not fair. And so the other thing, you know, with like OnlyFans and stuff, it is consensual. But if we look at, so I almost kind of check out, like when it comes to the people doing this, like, yeah, I have compassion for them. I have sympathy for them. I don't hate them, but it's like, I can't even think about that world. My concern is what is this doing to our young girls who are 17 years old? who are worried about their career, their future, their job. And they're seeing content on, on, on TikTok and Instagram, like, Hey, I just made $4,000 selling my nudes on OnlyFans," or these strippers who are like, look at this cash bag I've got. And they do this all the time. I see these videos literally daily. Every single time I open up one of these apps in a short, you know, break, I see some woman promoting, Hey, you know, I have a sugar daddy. I send him this and he sends me money. He bought me a car. Look how much my OnlyFans is paying. And so this is this is what young girls and even I mean, even middle aged girls like like in their 20s, young adults. Um, I personally suffered with this as a single mom going, OK, so you're telling me I can struggle and work eight hours a day, barely afford my rent or I can go grab my camera over there and make a lot more money. And that's very disturbing what it's doing to a girl's self-esteem, her just entire mental state, mental capacity, growth, um, ambition, right? You can't have ambition if your whole world is revolving around sending nudes. We didn't even get into Snapchat, right? Snapchat's one of the leading apps for teens and that's where all of this is going down. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you've got a lot of sex, uh, online sex workers using Snapchat for, you know, premium Snapchat, you know, you 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 spend $30 or whatever you sign up to their account and they they send you daily daily stories and all this sort of thing and 
how people have, have taken a social media app like that or TikTok or something and turned it into like a porn site is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Now, and of course, I, I guess it's, it's it, like you said, it is an easy way for them to sort of get their hands on some cash, like you said, rather than being on the grind for eight hours a day, just take a couple of nudes and, and they, you know, they can earn a hundred bucks in a day. But with, with saying that, with stuff like OnlyFans and, and all of that, can that also be caused by, by the loop, I guess? So, you know, because guys are watching this stuff and then misunderstanding the whole sexual relationship kind of thing that girls are feeling, I guess, for lack of a better word, worthless. They don't have that self-esteem. And so it's like perpetuating that cycle. They'll start, say, doing an OnlyFans. And then they're getting hundreds of likes or they're getting tips off that or mm-hmm. or whatever from these guys that aren't saying, oh, you're beautiful. They're not there for the beauty or for, for their personality. They're there for their body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess my question is, is that something that's sort of perpetuating that cycle? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. Uh, it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Who can you blame? The availability of it? I don't know. I actually, I personally... Uh, I personally blame the availability more, but I understand that the pressure is real when it comes down to it. And this is, this is fight the beast. People ask, well, why, why don't I speak to girls? Why am I not trying to help these girls? Because I don't personally believe that the change will come from women. I believe that it's men's responsibility as fathers, men statistically are shown to be better at influencing the moral upbringing of their children. So I believe that ultimately women have a participation in this too, but ultimately the change is going to come from the men. It's going to become, it's going to come from men overcoming their addictions and saying, Hey, we're not okay with this manipulation and abuse. I consider women, I consider only fans mental abuse towards men. I I consider the availability of this mental abuse because it's so toxic for the brain. Um, and it, it's women abusing men's addictions to get money. That's how I view it. Now, I don't hate those women. They've got their own problems. I could flip the coin over and I could talk about how women are struggling. But when it comes to fathers and when it comes to men, we need men who are willing to conquer the addiction and stand up and ha- say, hey, this is not acceptable. You know, I believe for thousands of years and even speaking of the primitive role of men, there is this huge power in leadership. The men have led the world and we need men to do that now. There's a quote that I really like that says basically to the effect of we're not fighting dragons and we're not going through a third world war right now. That's not what we need men for. What we need men for today is to fight the war against pornography and and, um, social degradation. And that is the greatest war that we've experienced in thousands of years. So what I hear there basically is if if you can stop the consumption, then it's not going to be so so available. I mean, it's a supply and demand kind of situation, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, think about it. If if we reduce the percentage from 97% down to even 25%, the income would not be worth it for a girl. It would be like, oh, I post my nudes and I get like 25 cents. Yeah, that's not worth it. Mm. Right. They would stop. The reason why they don't stop is because there is such a a cash value behind it. I don't believe that these women are doing it because they purely enjoy it. They're doing it for the cash value. Um, And so 
cut that off. And I think it would change and reform society a lot. And then not only that, but we actually could maybe have relationships again. This is the most single society that has ever existed in the tens of thousands of years this earth has existed or whatever you believe in, depending on your religion or science. But as far as we know in human history, this is the most single society ever. And it's because we are so broken by this. Well, look, while I've, while I've still got you here, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing with Fight the Beast, where everybody can find it and, and that sort of thing? Yep, absolutely. Thank you. So fightthebeast.org is the website to go to. I will be putting my social media links on there. There's a sign up form where you can like get an email once I get it figured out. Like I said, I've been primarily operating on TikTok and I haven't quite gotten my new Fight the Beast set up everywhere. Um, But because TikTok, I'm losing that. I'm just in a transition phase of trying to figure out everything. But basically what I've been doing for the last few months um, before rebranding is coaching. So I do coach people looking to quit. I coach wives who are struggling with their husband's addiction. I coach teenagers and I'm very open to anyone who wants to work with me and their teenager. Um, I recently created a program where I'm basically helping teenagers and people who are struggling, you know, adults and youth who are looking to connect and help each other, push each other to, um, to quit. And so any of that, Fight the Beast is more, it's more, it's geared towards all addictions. It's a little bit more open. I still focus my coaching on pornography and masturbation because I think that that is the biggest, most dangerous vice of all. But then from there, we also talk about taking that and and going into the world, working on these problems, like the legal issues, promoting um, like schools. Schools need to have, if they're going to push devices to children, they're going to hand them iPads and computers. They need to have better safety and security on those devices. That's a school issue. We need men who are going to push that out to teachers, school boards, um, workplaces. I know there's a lot of pornography in a lot of workplaces. We need people to, to fight that. We need people who are willing to go to lawmakers and say, hey, we're not okay with our teenagers being sexually assaulted on the internet every time they open their dang phone. And so the tagline is fighting the beast within and without. So inside you and in your community, in your world, in your family. Man, I love it. I love the idea of it all. I love your passion behind it. It's absolutely fantastic. So that's And, that's awesome. and I'm just barely getting started. I mean, the new website is very, very new. And so It's going to grow really quickly. We're going to see a lot of really cool things. I'm opening up these new social media channels, you know, these podcasts and things like this. I'm so grateful for how many people they're able to reach and, and the participation and the support. It's huge. Like we can do this if we do it together. Definitely. And I had a look at the website this morning myself, actually, and it's, it's looking really cool. I really like what you've got set up there and I can't wait to see more of what you're going to do in the future as well. Absolutely. Thank you. No worries. Well, look, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today and and having a talk to me about this because, yeah, porn addiction is a massive issue and and it's something that, yeah, as parents, we're going to have to deal with more and more. So I appreciate you shedding some light on that for me today. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I think this is great. And I just hope that, you know, to any of the listeners who are listening in, you know, don't be afraid. Take those actions that need need to be taken because time is so short. Our children are so precious and and they they really need us to step up right now. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, look, I'm going to make sure that I have all your relevant links in the description of uh, like the show notes of the podcast. So, guys, if you are struggling with this yourself or, you know, it's an issue with your teenage sons or even your, your preteen children, I do urge you to check out fightthebeast.org because what Heather's doing definitely uh, is awesome. I think, you know, from what I've heard today, Heather, it's, it's, it's the place for these guys to go to. So I think it's awesome that you, you, you're doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find out more about today's guest, just check out the links in the show notes. You can follow the podcast as well on social media at Not So Secret Dads Business or on our website, notsosecretdadsbusiness.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please rate and review the show. It helps more than you realize. Until next time, guys, be the best dad you can be.